Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Grief Sofa podcast. Welcome to season two of the Grief Sofa podcast. Today we are joined by Nadine from Portland, Oregon, whose mum died following a diagnosis of terminal lung cancer. We talk about the difficulties of losing someone during the COVID-19 pandemic and how to find humour in grief. You can follow Nadine at Varsity Grief Squad on Instagram. My name is Nadine Menashe. I'm 28 years old and I live in Portland, Oregon in the United States. Um, my grief journey started about two and a half years ago when my mom, Lana, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, it completely came out of the blue. Um, there was not any sort of really lead up of her being sick or experiencing any sort of symptoms. Just really one day I got a text message from my husband saying that we needed to go to my parents' house and we showed up and my mom burst into tears and said that she has lung cancer. She had been experiencing some symptoms like coughing for a couple months before that, but I hadn't even known about it because she didn't want to worry anybody. So it really just... Um, came as a surprise. So as soon as my mom, you know, told us about her cancer diagnosis, she still didn't particularly have any details or have anything from the doctors to share. I would say that that is when my grief journey started, because I think as a family, we understood pretty well that um, it was a terminal diagnosis and that any sort of treatment was more just uh, prolonging her life instead of curing her so gosh and I think that's actually a really good point to make that actually that grief really hits you from that day one from the beginning of that diagnosis your life it changes forever from that day like cancer just kind of comes in and changes everything absolutely and all the grief symptoms are present there even though there's there's no physical loss yet. There's crying, there's screaming, there's numbness, there's just this whole range of emotions. I would say that most of my grieving actually took place while she was still here. There was a lot to process during that time. Yeah, definitely. So when you're, you know, when you got that text from your husband and, and got called over, your mum's house and got that news like how how did that feel you you must have been absolute shock you know there was no sort of pre-awareness of it do you do you remember the conversation or I I remember it pretty vividly it was certainly the most life-changing news I've ever received um I mean there was no sort of lead up to it or anything like we walked through the door and it wasn't like do you want to sit down for a cup of tea or anything like that? Like my mom walked down the hallway and greeted us at the door and she was already in tears. And before saying hello or anything, she said, I have cancer. Like, oh gosh, 
it was like watching a movie and I just held her and I like led her into the living room and sat down on the couch and asked for more details and you know they explained that they didn't really have any but that it wasn't looking good and the one of the main things I remember is um, my dad telling me that I needed to be like the strong person for the family which was just like a shocking experience to go yeah. through. I said, yeah. Of course. Uh, like, of course I'll be the strong one. I'll do anything. Um, it's also, it's also sort of like that, that word strong, it's quite a huge pressure, isn't it? And um, we've spoken to guests on previous episodes about like the dangers of sometimes being labeled as, as strong. Like, did you, I mean, would you have described yourself as strong throughout that process or? I, I would, but I mean, having that label thrust upon you instead of choosing that journey for yourself is is really different because when I was alone, like there wasn't a single moment that I felt like I was strong. But when I was with my mom, when I was with my family, like, of course I was. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was this dichotomy of like basically being like two different people when I was with her when I was taking her to her treatments and really giving her like the best final year and when I was by myself like completely struggling to get through each day it's just so uh it just resonates with me so much because my mum said exactly the same thing to me when dad was diagnosed like I had to break the news to my mum that dad had cancer because I'd been at the appointment initially And then the first thing that my mum said was, well, we need to be strong for dad. So, you know, we, we, you know, you just have to, you know, pull it together and be strong for him. Literally carried that, that be strong for him on my back for four and a half years whilst he was dying from cancer. It's a terrible feeling. It's crazy. And it's exactly that kind of, as soon as you're on your own, it's like, my parallel universe life where I'm like not that strong version of myself and I can't process or even begin to process you know those emotions well I think it's a fallacy that there needs to be strength in that type of situation I think society tells us that there needs to be a strong person or like a strong fight. And sometimes it's okay to just fall apart. Like, I don't think that strength is going to be the thing that carries people through. You just need to feel what you feel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think since, since being bereaved, since kind of living in this world of grief, I've realized that the strongest thing I probably could have done and could have done differently was to actually have those difficult conversations with my dad and allow him to share that vulnerability with me more so that he didn't feel like he had to be strong for us and we didn't have to be in turn strong for him. And actually it would have been stronger if we had just been really honest about the situation. You know, when you're diagnosed terminal for a long time before you die, there's a lot of buildup. There's a lot of anticipatory grief that you're both experiencing. And what would have been better was, you know, if we had been strong enough 
to have those conversations beforehand. It's just like the opposite of what being strong in our minds look like, I think. They kind of look like just get on with it, carry on, power through, next treatment, you know. It's uh, it's a really, it's a big thing with cancer, I think, because you're constantly trying to put up that fight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So did you say it was a year from diagnosis to your mum actually passing away? Yeah, um, it was 50 weeks mm. um, of, you know, various treatments and yeah. um, really just keeping the disease stable. And then ultimately, um, my mom <clears throat> was diagnosed with pneumonia um, last September and was hospitalized um, and didn't come back. Gosh, that's so sad. You know, you just you, you don't sort of expect somebody to go into hospital and then and then not come back again. Um, you know, it's the last thing that you ever imagine and even you know when we speak to our guests even when the people that they've lost have got terminal diagnoses you you still don't really expect them to die so yeah it's it's really really tough it's awful and uh it was just worse because of covid and not really even having the type of death that we had imagined because she got sick Um, several months before the COVID pandemic started and she died kind of right at the height of it. And, you know, I couldn't sit in the hospital with her. Um, We couldn't have like a full funeral. And obviously, you know, so, so many people went through this, but for her not having died of COVID, it it was just it was just extra pain it's just so unjust isn't it and you know it's so recent still I'm so sorry that you had to I'm sorry that you weren't you know your family wasn't blessed with that the death that she deserved and it's really hard when you've been looking after somebody to have all of that care taken away from you like if you've been going to all the appointments and you've been really up to date with everything that's going on, how did you cope with all of that control being taken away? I did not cope with it because I hate losing control. Um, <laughs> I, <Same. laughs> no, it, it did not go well. Um, I mean, I understood that there was nothing that I could do, but um, for the months before the pandemic started, um, I was literally with her all the time. Like I loved the experience of getting to be with her during these difficult times. Like I was there when she got her head shaved and I was there when I took her to her very first radiation treatment. And I, I was there when, you know, we went wig shopping for her. Um, I was trying to do everything like I was taking her out to lunch and making sure she always had her favorite foods and I didn't have any opportunities for that there were actually a couple months at the beginning of COVID where we didn't really have a lot of information about how it was spread and how serious it was there were a couple months where I didn't see her at all and and it was absolutely heartbreaking yeah I, I can you know 
and really empathize with you there being you know not being able to be with her when you wanted to be with her the most must have been absolutely gut-wrenching but it sounds like when you were able to be with her that you know you you stood by her side and you held her hand the whole way through absolutely I mean that's what she always said to me oh Um. (laughs) oh my god that's gonna make me cry that is so cute it's so true though isn't it you know she she looked after you and then it was sort of like your time to look after her but just gosh like way too early to even be thinking about stuff like that yeah I mean I have no problems with being a caregiver but it was I think it was more strange for her for the role to flip Um, and there was a lot of her sickness where she was in a wheelchair because um, she had tumors in a lot of her bones and I think the weirdest part for her was having to get pushed around by me yeah especially at 50 she was 50 years old like yeah so young young. isn't it Mm, yeah really really young is this the first time that you've experienced grief like had you experienced loss or or death before in your life or was losing your mom the, the first loss this was absolutely the first time experiencing grief and how have you how have you sort of found that you know losing obviously it's not a good thing um but like your experience of grief like has it taken you by surprise the way it's made you feel is there anything that's you know you've thought to yourself wow I didn't realize that grief would make me feel like this like how has it how's it been for you I would say that um almost every part of it has been surprising because the only portrayals of grief that I've seen are like in movies and obviously sure. everything yeah. is, is fake. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. At the, during the early parts where I, I just didn't even know what to expect every time I was experiencing grief in a way that didn't seem like it was in the movies. Um, it made me feel like I was having some sort of strange experience that nobody else has, but I've learned over time that, um, these experiences are actually pretty universal. We just don't talk about them enough. It's so true. And do you know what? It comes up on our episodes so often when people compare um, parts of their journey to what they've seen in a film. And it's just, you know, it's just not how it plays out in, in the real world. It's just, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not the same as what you see on the films, um, whether that's, you know, how somebody dies or the grieving process. It's so, I don't know, I feel like very much that um, in a film, sort of somebody will peacefully slip away quietly in their sleep and then they'll have a funeral and then everyone's happy again. <laughs> it yeah, just doesn't I mean, go like that. The way that real people experience grief is not cinematically interesting (laughs) yeah definitely that's that's such a good way of putting it um how would you say that your grief sort of affects you on a day-to-day basis day-to-day is actually the strangest part of it because some days I feel like I'm really overcome by grief and there are also long periods of time where I don't feel like I experience at all And then there are other periods of time where like, I'm just kind of feeling disconnected from grief. Like it's there, but anytime I try to channel my grief into, you know, 
thinking about my mom, there's some sort of disconnect there. Um, I do keep a journal where I write to her. Um, and some days, you know, it, it's so easy to write and to tell her about what's happening in the world and to tell her about how I feel. And then there are just weeks and weeks at a time where I feel like I have nothing to say. It's just kind of this, a little bit of numbness, but more just like a, a disconnect from what actually happened. And it's so strange to be able to feel this whole spectrum mm -hmm. of things and there's no consistency to it at all. It's, um, that's a really nice idea. I like, I really like the idea of writing in a journal. And it's something that I, my sister actually started doing with my nieces, um, because they were really young when, well, I think they're like nine and 10. So they were like old enough to know that granddad had died, but kind of be too young to understand exactly what that meant. And they started putting, things that we'd like to tell granddad in a jar <laughs> and that was like I suppose a kind of simplified version of what you were doing but I think that's such a nice way to feel connected to her but I completely understand in fact just today me and Alice were talking about that feeling like you have capacity to process certain things like some days you literally don't have enough capacity for anything so you just like don't feel connected to the grief. You don't feel connected to your job, to your friends, to your family. To like, it's really hard to ex to kind of explain how disconnected from every single part of your life you can feel in grief. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's it's so hard to describe. Um, and I have this really wonderful bereavement group that I host through the dinner party, um, which is a nonprofit organization. And there's um, five of us young women who meet every other week and we just talk about our lives and grief. And um, it's really a firsthand experience as to the different ways that everyone is processing their grief. And some days it's really tangible and it's present and it's there. And some days it's, you're just kind of floating um, and it has been such a blessing to have these women to talk to about this kind of stuff, because if you don't have a good grief community, it can just feel like the most confusing thing in the world. Oh, I'm so glad that you've got a little grief community. Um, and I think that dinner party, I think they've got some of those in the UK as well, but I think it's only maybe London based. I'm not quite sure. I was actually reading an article about Dinner Party, which is where I found Let's Talk About Loss, which is the uh, not-for-profit organisation that me and Lucy are part of. Um, I just want to pick up on something that you said that I thought summarised grief really well. Um, you said that it's a whole spectrum of feelings and emotions with absolutely no consistency. <laughs> and it sort of made me laugh when you said it because it's just so bang on. And then, you know, Lucy was struggling to sort of pinpoint the exact meaning. And it, it's just so difficult to to pinpoint this this bizarre thing that that is grief um and yeah I'm really glad that you've managed to find these these women that you're able to meet with and and talk to I think it's so important um when we sent over some questions to you you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about um signs and symbols now Lucy is like absolutely huge on signs and symbols the amount of stuff that she 
that happens to her is just ridiculous. Um, and I wonder whether you wanted to sort of share your experience with signs and symbols. Boy, do I have a story for you. So <laughs> oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I spent months and months receiving nothing. And, you know, I had talked to the women in my dinner party about it. And, you know, some of them had been experiencing different things. And I'm like, well, I'm not spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm just like, it's not going to happen for me. And then one day I was on Instagram and I was um, listening to an Instagram live with two Griefluencers, um, Nishama Journey and Barry Grant. And Barry was talking about how you have to ask for a sign. Um, you, you should like ask your loved one to send it to you. So I was like, well, I mean, it's worth a try. So I opened up my aforementioned journal and I wrote to my mom, like, dear mom, I I was told I should ask you for a sign. So here it goes. And I asked her to send me a yellow bird because they are native to Oregon where I live, but they're fairly rare. So it's not like asking for, you know, a hummingbird or a dragonfly that's everywhere. I wanted her to send something that was like, I knew it would be her. So the next day I go to work in the morning and (laughs) there is a bright yellow bird dead on the ground right in front of the front door. Oh my God, no way. (laughs) That is not what I was expecting. (laughs) No, it was not what you were expecting. And I'm just like staring like mouth agape at it. And people are coming over to me and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, that's my dead mom. She's a bird. Um, and I had to clean the bird up from in front of the door. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. That is yeah. crazy. So that's either, um, a sign that I should stop asking for signs or a sign that my mom is mad at me for making memes about her death. Oh my God. Do you think that, do, was your mom like quite a funny person? Would she do something like that to like wind you up? I I don't know. I'm just kind of over the signs thing at this point. I decided that I'm just going to shut the whole thing down and take what I can get, you know? Do you know what? I'm going to now ask, can can your mum please send you an alive yellow bird in the next few weeks? And then you can let us know that she's definitely listening and she's definitely messing with you (laughs) okay I will ask her for it but I have reservations it'd be great to like kind of talk to you a little bit about your um Instagram page because I mean like we talk about dark humor in grief and yeah all you can do is laugh sometimes and these weird things happen and it's the kind of morbid jokes that sometimes get us through. So um, for people who don't follow you on Instagram, can you tell us a little bit about your page and kind of what's inspired you to set it up and also how people can find you and follow you? Absolutely. Um, I run a page on Instagram called Varsity Grief Squad. Um, it started um, in January of 2021. I was reading this wonderful graphic novel by uh Tyler Fetter called Dancing at the Pity Party. And um, I was inspired by how this young woman had channeled her grief through her art um, and had talked about her 
loss of her mom in this really wonderful candid way where she talked about the good and the bad and the shitty and as soon as I put the book down I was like I know how to channel my grief through art and that is making memes so I immediately sat down and made this page and actually Varsity Grief Squad is lifted directly from her book um, and I've since been able to talk to her about it and it's, it's absolutely amazing. Oh my but, god that's so cool. Yeah and I just made meme after meme after meme about all the weird grief stuff that I had been feeling and as soon as I started putting it out into the world, I started getting messages from people telling me how relatable it was. And I know that I'm not the only grief meme page out there, um, but there's no competition. Like we're all just using this medium to, to share what we're feeling and putting words and pictures to this like awful, awkward stuff. And I really love not only having a way for me to put my feelings out into the world, but also the support that I get to give to other people who see it and can have a little (laughs) chuckle when they're feeling so terrible. Definitely. I mean, I think it's a really, really unique page. You know, I, I sometimes look for it when I'm feeling a bit shit and just sort of give myself a little laugh because it is hilarious. And I wonder how I sort of... I'm amazed at how you managed to come up with all of these ideas like how does it work do you think of the think of the writing first and then match the picture or do you you know how how do you go about it or is that your big secret that you can't tell (laughs) (laughs) it's not a secret I will tell you that it actually goes both ways so sometimes um sure I have Um, some sort of sentiment or a story that I want to share and I have to find the picture that goes best with it. Um, I also do a thing called um, squad story submissions where my followers can DM me with a story about their personal grief and I try to match that to a picture Um, and that's really amazing for me to do to be able to um, take somebody else's story and share it out with the world. And then uh, there are other times where there's some sort of popular meme that's super hot right now or I just see a picture that inspires me and it goes the other way around so yeah sure and then there are some full weeks where I don't make a single meme because I have nothing to say (laughs) yeah yeah I can imagine that sometimes like you get a bit of a creative block and then other times um you know sort of like creativity is like flowing and you almost like can't keep up with it (laughs) just sort of got memes coming out from everywhere I think I can't remember if it's your page or if I've seen it somewhere else but um one thing that I've seen that I found quite funny was um somebody just posting somebody just posting like a gif and then saying title this gif and you know people will sort of say oh when somebody tells you that they're in a better place now or whatever it is and yeah I just I do love the funny side of um the grief community and actually drawing back on something you said there's definitely no competition within sort of the grief world and like within the podcasting world um all the other sort of podcasters that we talk to are all really supportive and I think it yeah it's the grief Instagram community is just like one wild and wonderful place and I think 
you want to find something sad to cry at, you can. And if you want to find something funny to laugh at, you definitely can as well. Yeah, the Instagram grief community is absolutely one of the most supportive places. And I've met so many people through it that it's just beautiful to be on a journey with them and never have even met anybody in real life. Sometimes I don't even know somebody's real name, but I feel like we're friends (laughs) through the Instagram grief community and just going through the same thing and, um, you know, sharing this journey. Definitely. In fact, I've seen something online before that says, um, nobody supports you like strangers on Instagram that you've never met. And it's so true. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say there's one kind of contentious thing within the Instagram grief community, and maybe you've experienced this, but um, it's the concept of like what to say to someone who's grieving. And there's, um, you know, an argument of like, you know, it's inappropriate to say X, Y, Z, but then you don't know what to say. And then it like puts you into a box and then it like gets you really nervous to say anything at all. Sure. Yeah. I totally, totally understand that. And actually, um, when we did an episode on how to support a grieving friend, we tried to steer away from like what not to say. No, I was just going to say, you know, that we'd, we'd discussed this quite a bit because I think with lots of things, it's really hard. Yeah, I think, you know, we don't want to push people away from making any effort at all because they're too worried about saying something that isn't the right thing. So it's that kind of finding the balance between like not making people feel like, oh, well, you don't get it. So you can't say anything because we're also just like pleading with people to be talking about grief and talking about loss before people die. Even, you know, we're trying to open those conversations. So it's trying to find the balance between those two things. And it is, you know, you'll always come across things that maybe don't sit as comfortably or maybe don't relate as well to, you know, the way that you feel about certain things. But um, yeah, it's such a wide variety on Instagram. I think you can really get kind of every side of that coin. Yeah. I think the most important thing about sharing grief with someone is just talking about it. And maybe you do say the wrong thing and that's okay. But yeah, like my, my absolutely wonderful husband um, spent quite a bit of time kind of skirting around the issue and not really bringing up my mom and not really sharing his own grief with me. And he said, like, I don't want to accidentally bring her up at the wrong time and remind you. I was like, I'm always thinking about her there's not a day where I'm not already reminded yeah. that she's not here so let's talk about it definitely definitely and I think it's just like um you know as as a griever as well sort of being open and honest with your with your wants and needs is, is really important so that we can you know access help around us and you know so our friends can support us because it is a time when we really need support um would you say that sort of like setting up the account and stuff has been your newfound positivity since your loss or has there been other things as well? I think that has definitely been the main positivity and also just being able to open up the conversation of grief with the people around me. Um, 
because making the memes and being like, you know, a person within the grief community, it helps me open up those conversations. So um, like my very best friend um, lost her mom a couple years before me. And I had never once talked to her about it other than the day that she told me and I said, you know, I'm so sorry. And it has given us the opportunity to open up about losing our moms and being that support for each other. And I could never have been a person to talk about that with her before opening up about my own grief and experiencing what I have. So I would say that not only has the account itself been a positivity, but just being able to have more honest conversations with people around me and honestly get to know them better. A question that I was going to ask, um, and the, actually the guest that we had on last week also took part in this. Um, when we did the Grief Safer Pet Takeover, you sent in a picture of your dog, Rhodes, and I wondered whether you wanted to talk a little bit about your dog and how your dog has been a help for you in your grief. Yeah, absolutely. I love to talk about my dog. Um, so um, we have an English pointer named Rhodes. Um, shout out to England. Uh, <laughs> um, we found him for free on Facebook and we got him at the very, very beginning of the pandemic. So he's a pandemic dog. And he, um, other than being a huge headache and uh, just a terrible flatmate, um, he has definitely been pretty monumental in my grief journey, just kind of having that like extra warm being and getting those sweet cuddles in bed and even just being able to take him for a walk to be able to process my feelings by myself. Mm. Um, I think it's been a pretty huge asset and dogs are a huge blessing. Yeah, do you know what I think I found with with my dog that it's been really helpful for routine and that like actually forcing me out of the house, like getting me up and getting me to go outside and spend some time outside has been really, really helpful. And I've processed a lot of stuff whilst I've been walking him and I've listened to like endless audiobooks on grief and um and different podcasts and stuff and it's all been whilst I've been out walking with with him he's really kept that routine with me and it's just something that I'm so grateful for yeah they're uh they're pretty amazing and um I, I really like what you said about uh taking that extra time to pause and having an excuse to get outside definitely very important especially while everybody was working from home during the pandemic. Mm, yeah, definitely. So this is my favorite memory, but it's also the memory that like makes me tear up the most. But um, several years ago, my mom and I went on uh, a road trip up to Seattle, Washington. Um, it's about three hours away from where we lived. And we got into this crazy car accident on the way up. Um, and it we, we were totally fine. It was safe, but it like completely derailed our plans and we didn't get into Seattle until super late. And we had had dinner reservations that we missed 
and it was a huge bummer and we decided to just go anyways and I think we showed up to this restaurant at like 10 or 11 p.m and we just stayed up late gabbing and getting drunk on cocktails and eating oysters and it actually turned into the most beautiful memory because like I had never just like stayed up late with her like talking about girly stuff and you know just like discussing our lives and it would be truly like if I could replicate any experience with her it would be sitting up late in this restaurant and and just talking with her um actually growing up my mom and I had this really sweet like secret tradition where my sister never wanted to go to bed if she knew that I was awake. So she would watch my mom tuck me in and then she would get tucked in. And then my mom would come and get me back up out of bed so that we could stay up and watch TV together. And it's always just that one-on-one time late at night with my mom. That is just the, the sweetest memory. Oh, wow. That's so lovely. And actually, that's making me tear up because I think that so many people don't get that opportunity to form that kind of adult relationship with your parents. Like it's a really, it's a really, really unique thing if you have memories that replicate that adult relationship where you can actually share so much more and find out so much more about your parents in those moments. And I've got a few, I've got a few memories like that where I spent so much time with dad in those last few years of his life just the two of us where I was kind of learning a bit more about him but there's definitely things that I didn't know about him that I wish you know we have more chance for for moments like that but that sounds like such a such a gorgeous memory and I love the fact that she used to come and get you out of bed and <laughs> did your sister know that <laughs> I don't know if she does know that, but I guess that she knows that now. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, recently, on recent episodes, we've sort of been asking our guests um, whether they feel like they had a final moment with who they've lost. And I wonder whether sort of like leading up to your mum's death, or, you know, during her diagnosis, probably you feel like you had like a, a, a final moment together. I mean, the final moment certainly is not what I wanted it to be because again, it was during COVID and the hospital only let us in to see her one time. Um, Cause she was technically only allowed to have one person at a time until she entered hospice care. But I mean, my whole family was there. It was just pretty awful and everybody was in tears. So the last moment was really of just like everybody surrounding her and really only me and my sister knew that it was going to be the last time that we saw her. And, you know, that was kind of a bonding moment for us too of like that mutual understanding that we didn't want to prolong this experience any further. So my grandma was pretty demanding that she had to go back, like she was going to go see her again in the morning and, and all this stuff. But me and my sister knew that like this was our, our time. And 
I actually sat with on a chair right next to the bed and I had my sister on my lap and we just held our mom's hand and it it was obviously like a pretty heartbreaking situation but just being to like being able to cuddle my sister and kind of share this this mutual feeling I I guess I I do value that part of it yeah definitely and and it's sort of like interesting um saying how it was like a really strong bonding moment and it's like a moment that you never envisaged to have together and you know if you could have had it your way you would have had it in you know 30 to 40 years later um but it is definitely bonding nonetheless um just to sort of like finish things up and I'd also just like to say that I've really enjoyed this episode um I think it's been a really great mix of all things poignant and all things things funny as well um but yeah to finish things up sometimes we ask our guests um for any any advice or words of wisdom for any any other grievers that might be listening right now I think my main piece of advice is just to grieve in whatever way you need to. Don't let somebody tell you the appropriate way to grieve. My grandma really loves to tell me how ridiculous I am for running this Instagram page. And um, I have these wonderful t-shirts and sweatshirts that say Varsity Grief Squad. And she's like, I don't think you know what grief means. It's not a funny thing. Like, I don't think you understand. I was like, no, I do understand. And this is the way I'm grieving. And this is the way that I am building my community. So I think it's just important to experience what you're experiencing and let it just let it happen. Don't let people put you into a box that is tidy just for them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on the Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at the Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.